What is up, group members? I'm licensed psychologist, Dr. J. And I'm licensed clinical social worker, Kristen Gingrich. I'm licensed clinical psychologist, Dr. Casey. I'm licensed psychologist, Dr. Jessica Raven. This week, we're talking all about stress. A topic I'm super passionate about and one that actually has a lot of misconceptions that I bet you didn't even know. You, I bet you didn't even know it. So settle in, take a seat, and welcome to Group Therapy. Last week, we had a great time exploring, discussing alcohol, its use with you, and we asked, how might you be more intentional with your drinking? And you said you had a lot of thoughtful things to say. One of them, I never drink if I'm in a low state mentally or if I'm if my chronic pain is acting up. Oh, that's a good one. Good. So solid. Yeah. This one as well. I make sure I eat a good meal before and have a big glass of water between drinks and check in with myself about why I'm having the drink. That's that is a so great reflection. Intentional. I love it. I love the last one. Mm. Another one, I've been placing more on the reflection of how I will feel the next day or even days after if I choose to overindulge. I love that. You know they're near my age if they had that. They're not, that person is not 21 years of age. <laughs> no. You no. get older and the price you pay is high. No, the, hang the hangovers last like days, you know. Days. And the last one, this one cracked me up so bad, but they go, try having a one and a half year old and a newborn. Even if I had the desire, I never even had the chance to drink. Missed opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm kidding. I'm messing with you. You might pour yourself a drink and then you fall asleep before you even get a sip in. That was on turning like, right there. Yeah, yeah. That's, I'd like wake up and there's still a cocktail next to my bed and I'm like, oh, well, damn. <laughs> Energy wasn't there. Wasn't there protective factors? Who would have thought, right? Mm -hmm. Having a couple kids. But this week, oh my gosh, we're talking all about stress. Stress. I'm so stoked. I can't even speak. I'm going to start this <laughs> off in a very deliberate way before I get on any of my soapboxes. But is stress always bad? No. No. <laughs> Care to elaborate? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that was your elaboration. <laughs> no, again. Nope, nope. I mean, so the first thing that came to mind is like I can think of significant positive events in my life that were very stressful. Like having my daughter, very stressful. Um, both, I mean, I delivered her via C-section, so both physically on my body having a major surgery and just becoming a new parent. But it is also like a positive thing. It kept me alert. Um, I think of other, you know, life events, like grad school is really stressful. Oh, yeah. And a lot of times stress can motivate you to stay on top of your work. Um, planning a party or an event can be stressful and you enjoy it. Um, afterwards. So I think it really depends on the level of stress one is experiencing and how long mm. they are experiencing it. Yeah, I think that's perfect. And just like looking at it and saying, okay, how am I feeling about this like long term? So again, like you said, like, is this a party, a wedding, birth of a child, or anything like that? 
Or is this something that is kind of leaving me in turmoil? Mm. Yeah. And I think that those are two very different types. And I always think like if you never experience stress that to me that that feels like you're never being challenged in any capacity. Totally. Yeah. I think it also depends on the person. Like stress looks different for everybody, but I tend to wonder two people go through the exact same thing and my one might say this stress is like horrible for me. You know, this is like really bad for me. For some reason I can't cope with it. And then someone else might say, yeah, for me it's hard, but you know, this other sort of stress is even worse for me, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it also depends on the subjective um, experiences as well. K-10, you, you just set that up so beautifully. I'm, Jeff's kiss. I am from the gospel of <laughs> right here. <laughs> The upside of stress, Dr. Kelly McGonigal. You got to pick this book up. No endorsement. I get nothing for it. But this stress was all on my dissertation. It's Mm -hmm. what I've probably studied the most outside of the things we're meant to study in mental health and psychology. This completely changed the way I think about stress, this book. And I have to cite this study. I won't spoil the book for you because it's a great read. But this study in the very intro of the book really changes the perspective. So in the, it was 1998, 30,000 adults. I feel like just right now, <laughs> you know, Google Scholar short, but I'm 1998, they looked at 30,000 adults. I'm going to do a terrible job at this, but <laughs> you got this. And they pulled all these adults on stress and they basically asked a variety of questions but one of the most important questions they asked was do you believe stress is harmful to your health Mm. right a big question you can think how you might answer that for yourself so the bad news was they looked i think it was eight years later they looked and people who like high stress had increased death rate by 43 percent whoa if you're in high stress that increased your risk of dying in those years by 43%. But, and this is my, I'm going to drive this home probably too many times in this podcast, but it was only for those who believed stress was harmful for their health. Not individuals who reported being high stress, but did not believe it was harmful to their health. This this woman right. is wildly intelligent I, and in Stanford, you can find her on a million podcasts, but a lot of us don't think about this very important relationship with how our mind dictates what we're going to experience, and what the mm-hmm. outcome is going to be because mm-hmm. stress is, is inevitable. Yeah. Taking, taking away stress from your life is a huge mistake because we could talk about your, your docs and the inverted you and if you have no stress, you're not motivated, right? Mm-hmm. With no stress, you're sitting in that boring class that you don't care about. You're at mm-hmm. the job that's way too easy. You need stress for performance and motivation. Have to have it. Mm-hmm. But how you interpret your stress symptoms, and as psychologists, it all makes sense, right? What we tell ourselves about stress has a huge impact of what we're going to experience. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you're saying thoughts mean things in terms of isn't how that, we isn't, isn't it crazy? It's crazy. What? Crazy. 
Not going to lie, that's, Justin, that's when you wild. said that first part of the study and you're like 43%, I was like typing in our chat. I was like, y'all have fun when you're living without me. And then you said that uh, unless they only perceive <laughs> the oh my stress. God. And I was like, delete, delete, delete. I know stress can be a good thing. <laughs> so oh I'm God. here surviving and thriving with y'all. <laughs> It's totally necessary. And there, again, another chapter in this book is called A Meaningful Life is a Stressful Life. Mm-hmm. And this, what a lot of people want, and the whole book's about changing your relationship with stress. Because all of us think stress, we're like, oh, yeah, I, I, I did the same thing until like I really got into this research of you associate stress equals bad. And yet, right. when you really reflect on your life, think of all the times you were bored, understimulated. Like not enough stress. A lot of us be like, yo, that was actually a tough chapter. I didn't have challenge. I didn't have places to put my energy. I didn't feel like I was really growing or moving. And then one of the key factors is if stress becomes uncontrollable, meaning we're sprinting through all our days, sacrificing ourselves, no self-care, no regulation, Yes, it can become too much. Still, though, our relationship with it still matters. But it's interesting that a lot of people out there don't realize the way you think about stress is going to dictate how you interpret your symptoms. Mm-hmm. That's so well, interesting. And that makes me... That makes me think of like individuals who are constantly under stress. So like I think of even just myself and like how I grew up and like I thrive in high stressful environments. Give me a crisis, chaos, mm. anything. I'm calm, cool, collected. Mm. Give me a minor inconvenience and I'm absolutely done. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm like, no, we can't. But like, give me like, and because that is what I'm like so used to. And so even the impact of like being in a stressful environment for long periods of time, like again, impacts how you perceive that. So I actually don't see like super high stressful events as like super stressful because I know how to, because I know exactly how to navigate because I've been navigating them since I'm set, since I've been seven. And so, but like, you know, I drop, I spill my coffee and I'm like, well, the whole day's ruined now. (laughs) And like, I can't, like, I can't manage it. So it's so interesting, like too, like the way that that impacts us and the way that we view it. Oh, yeah. I, I'm reflecting on what y'all, y'all are both saying. And I think when I was done with grad school and all the stress that came along with that after I was licensed, got like my feet wet and my first like real psychologist job, I I felt like, okay, is this it? Now what? Now what? Now? And I kept thinking like, what else am I looking for? But I think that I was really attaching this sense of purpose to stress you know, and I didn't realize it. And I know a lot of my clients tell me that too. Like if I'm not stressed or if I'm not like, not worried, but if I'm not stressing or um, thinking about something like this, then where's my sense of purpose? You know, and I'm like, to Justin's point, it could be good stress, it could be bad stress, whatever it is. But I think it gives somebody something to think about or to consider. And it makes you kind of feel alive in some way, even if it's bad stress. You know, I hate saying that, but like good and bad stress. Because um, I'm thinking about the complacency thing and how that really disconnects you from the human experience too. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about how sh- now that Justin says this, I'm thinking all about all the ways that stress helps us navigate the world too. You just opened my mind to like a million different things. That I need to read that book. It, it's such a great read on so many different levels. But yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And like 
my whole dissertation was on mindfulness-based stress reduction. So this is, for me, this is something I'm really passionate about because this was one of those, and I know y'all can reflect on this, when you are so far in one camp and then you get convinced and opened up that it like turns your head in a way that you're like, what? Mm -hmm. Like I had all this information about cortisol, inflammation, how stress literally can make any mental health syndrome worse. Yep. And then this whole notion of weight though there is this big component with how you perceive your stress and how you interpret stress that is like, wow, like that's really interesting because I think a lot of people, again, when they hear stress, it's it's only a negative connotation. But if you just replace the word with stimulated or challenged, mm-hmm. people will be like, oh, I like to be stimulated. Mm-hmm. I like it actually when I have a little bit of a challenge. Because then again, we, if we talk about understimulated or not challenged, a lot of us that that'll start to feel unfulfilled to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's so interesting that you said that, Justin. Even just replacing one word, because I know something I do with myself is if I wake up in the morning and this is a bad habit, but I do it to prepare for the day. I'll like check my work phone and see you know consults I have for the day and kind of get a sense of what it's going to look like. And I find if I tell myself the day is going to be stressful and use that word, it, it I like manifest it. Like it, it's just, oh, yeah. I, I go in mm-hmm. with a certain attitude. So if I catch myself saying that, I try to change the word to, you know, it's going to be busy or try to mm-hmm. just say, you know, I can only get done what I can get done. And usually the d- day goes a lot smoother. So it's interesting that you said even replacing one word. And like some people don't like, the word busy. Um, yeah. I know on my podcast, I had a guest, Rachel, and we talked about stress and she talked about having a full day as a psychologist mm. instead of a stressful day. And that was a word that works for her. But I think the power in just changing one word is really, especially if you have a negative connotation to the word stress. Definitely. And it still doesn't I know we're honing in on this because I brought this up at the jump thinking like many people would be like me, like they had never heard of this concept before. Um, but it still doesn't take away with what I think a lot of people are probably tuning into this episode here is like, when is stress too much? When do you know you're at a job that's leading you to burn out? When mm-hmm. is a relationship too stressful? All these things still are relevant. It's not to say, well, no matter your situation, whatever you're in, it's only your mindset. No. We're not yeah. saying that, but we are saying mindset is a component we must remember. And I think that message needs to reach a lot of us who are just stress equals bad. Mm-hmm. Definitely does not. We need it. It is necessary. And probably what a lot of people want to know is like, how do I navigate these situations if I'm feeling more, you know, chronic stress or repeated stress? Yeah. I think it's tough too when people think of stress, at least what my clients have told me, it whenever they think of stress, they think of like things that are uncontrollable, things that they can't problem solve or they don't totally. have a strategy for, right? It's like not like a A plus B equal like it's just not like a clear formula, you know? So when we think about just like discrimination in the workplace or racism or something like that, I mean, people experience that and they're stressed about it, but they can't necessarily do anything about it because of a variety of reasons, safety, or they don't want to lose their job or something like that. And I always try to 
revisit the topic of even just talking about the thing that's stressful and shifting your vantage point just a little. Like we're not trying to change, we can't change the circumstance and you might not be able to change your internal narrative, but just taking a slight pivot might make you feel some sense of relief or knowing that other people might experience the same thing if it's uncontrollable. Because I think people always want solutions like, what do I do about this? And you might not be able to do anything about it. You know, um, you might not be able to change your circumstance at all. Um, you could change how you think about it. You could change how you view it um, and all that stuff. But I think people get kind of hooked up on that. Um, and and it is a good discussion on both ends, I think. Yeah, I know something that helps me in more like chronic stress situations. And we kind of talked about this in the burnout episode as well, is just finding those pockets of time, even if it's five minutes, that mm-hmm. I can you know, shut my office door and do some deep breathing. I know Justin could talk to us about mindfulness-based stress reduction um, all day long, but doing things just in those pockets of times. I'm a big, and this is just works for me. It doesn't work for everyone. Relying on, you know, coworkers to process the stress. Or, I mean, I reached out to you all today just to like talk about my day. And that is helpful. It doesn't change the situation, but it gives me a positive outlet. But I think, yeah, if there's certain circumstances you can't change, because unfortunately, a lot, I would argue, of life stress are things out of our control. Um, Finding ways to either reduce the impact or those pockets of time to just, even if it's just breathing, like, Mm -hmm. and we can go into the effects of stress on the body and all that kind of stuff. But that's something that has helped me and makes me feel like I have some sense of control when things are out of my control. Well, and, you know, as someone who I work in a highly stressful work environment, I mean, we all do, and I work in community mental health and I just, I mean, I just put in my resignation at my job um, because it got to the point kind of like where we talked about, like it has gotten to the point where my stress levels are no longer manageable in the ways that I have been able to manage them over the last, you know, I've been at my job for seven years and I've been able to manage them up until the last year. And it's important to, for me, it was important to realize how much of that was my job, how much of that was in my control and out of my control and how much of that was my personal life too. Because, and those things for me impacted each other and understanding like, Hey, my stress level at work is so high because I also have stuff happening in my personal life and starting to see that stress impact me mentally and physically. Um, like, you know, my anxiety, like my anxiety getting worse. I'm having like super intense gastrointestinal stuff. Um, you know, I'm not sleeping, um, as much if I even slept as much before. Um, but I'm sleeping even less or not as well. Um, I'm waking up at 2 a.m. and I'm thinking about work or things like that. And for me, it, it got to that point where it was like I have to, I had to make a decision. And basically for the last six to eight months, sometimes like, you know, I could rage quit my job. Absolutely. And be like, I'm done. No backup plan. Let's go. And, you know, for some people, that is the option. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it started I started having to set clearer, more intentional boundaries um, till I could get to a point where maybe a job, um, offer came up or an opportunity for me to apply, which has just happened 
that allows me to say, I'm stepping out of this. And so like, I'm actually like my new position, like I'm going from being a supervisor where I'm overseeing 12 staff, training new staff, training um, newly licensed mental health providers. And I'm actually taking a step back and actually taking a step down from that because I knew the impact that that had. And I think Mm. that that's sometimes really hard for us because we also live in a world that would say, you need to admit that you failed at that when that's Mm. not the case. The case was I had other stuff going on that was impacting my stress levels all around that started impacting me on physical, emotional relationship levels. Yeah. And I think, I think you even noticed, I was literally about to say like all of the signs of stress, right? Mm -hmm. Like it could be emotional, it could be physical, it could be, even for some people it could be spiritual. Like you're so disconnected. Like you just don't feel Mm -hmm. like you're really in tune, you know? Um, And I think for people, once it starts to impact that, like kind of like what KBI was saying, like you just feel like you're functioning, but you're like a shell of a person kind of like you're just going through the motions and it's overwhelming. And it just looks so different for everybody. We know that sleep is one of the big ones for people when they experience stress they're not sleeping or they're sleeping too much or it's fragmented sleep or they're waking up exhausted and then they're doing it all over again and they're like, oh my gosh, when is this going to end? Um, How do you guys know that you're stressed? Like when your stress levels are rising, like what sort of things do you start to notice? Is it more physical or is it more mental, emotional? I think my number one is my focus. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Is I, I notice the first shift is I have a tough time holding my attention on something. Mm -hmm. And I know that varies for all of us across the board, but that's one thing I'm really cued on, like a baseline. Being a Mm -hmm. perfectionist, I think some of it is sort of my OCD. I think some of it is just the way my brain is. I can focus pretty easily of all the gifts we have, and then I'm like, I wish I didn't have the OCD part. But (laughs) when that starts to waver, and I'm like very distracted and I can't complete tasks that I'm like, I would normally have no problem with this. I'm like, yo, what's going on here? And just to touch on a point, KBI, that you were making, and I appreciate you sharing about your work situation. uh, The things that keep us afloat are exactly what we're naming, of feeling Mm. like we have connection that someone, Mm. especially in a work environment, someone cares even if they can't solve it, but they can hear it, hold it with us. But a lot of us get in work situations. I know there's a lot of people listening out there who this is their experience is you feel like you're just a cog in the wheel. Like no one cares that how an experience you may have had or that you might be overwhelmed or you had too much on your plate because we can have a full day and yet we know that we can talk to our boss and it, there would be a dialogue about it. We could talk to our manager. We could talk to our coworker. That makes all the difference in the world. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm curious to what y'all notice for yourself uh, related to that. Sleep also gets impacted for me too. I have stress dreams. So I usually have mm. dreams about if it's work stress, um, being late for clients, double booking, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So that's like a key, like, okay, I'm stressed. Um, similar with just like family and life, I'll have like, I'll have much more vivid dreams and they're all like a stress themes. Um, I think another thing for me, I noticed concentration. So it will be things like 
I'm more distractible or, mm. you know, if I'm writing notes, I find myself checking my phone or getting up yeah. to like get a stack or go to the bathroom mm. a lot more frequently. So like a therapy note takes 30 minutes to write. Um, and then the other thing I notice is just like I have a flatter affect. And this is something I've noticed more recently, like other people pick up on it. So even if I don't like feel physically tense or anything, people will be like, are you okay? And I'm like, oh, like I guess I'm just like flatter <laughs> in my face and kind of more like subdued and withdrawn. Um, yeah, those are probably the main things I notice. What about you, KBI? Wow. Um, kind of like sleep, you know, it's already trash, but it gets trashier. Trashier. Um, trashier yeah. sleep. I find a lot of physical. So um, mm. my jaw, mm-hmm. usually I can feel like when I start getting oh. intense jaw pain, um, I actually just started getting Botox to try to like soften, release the muscle. Yeah. Um, but it's also like my shoulders. Um, mm. My shoulders are like a well done steak because of all of my stress. Like you can poke it and you're like, it's rock hard. Um, <laughs> and it's not because I lift weights because I'm internally stressed but I would say that those are like my three like big pieces um I mean I'll find that my mental health you know um I'll binge eat more um I won't get out I won't want to do anything I'll be and sometimes I find if my stress level is even high I even hyper focus on work Mm. I am more thrown into work than ever Mm. um because I just am like I'm already so stressed that I'm just throwing it, hoping to take, I'm throwing myself in, hoping to take the stress off and it just doesn't go anywhere. Wow. I feel like the more that you guys are talking, the more I could like relate to everything you're saying. <laughs> so um, for me, I notice the first thing, my eating habits change. Um, I tend to either forget to eat or I'm eating too much. It's like one end or the other. Um, my sleep gets impacted. And for me with chronic stress, I get really debilitating migraines. Um, Mm. So it's like I can't even think straight. Like, And I get those migraine auras. And for me, I can't really see much. You Mm -hmm. kind of see stars. kind of scary. But at that point, I know I'm like, I've gone too far. Like I need to do deep breathing. I need to get back into meditation. Um, But on a day-to-day, concentration is something that tends to go, but I do have ADHD, so I have to be mindful of that. So even for our listeners, like Justin was saying, I mean, across the board, it could be different. For everybody. And then in terms of physically, I do notice I'm pretty tense, like clenching my muscles or my jaw or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's so many different signs and symptoms of stress. Yeah. And it, it does make me go to, which I know a lot of people tuning in are probably curious about, of like, what can I do about it? Like, yeah. what, what am I doing? And I think for a lot of the clients I work with, it's you're getting – overloaded. A lot of times it is work related, but sometimes it's also in a relationship. Sometimes it's Mm -hmm. also with family. Like I know KBI, you were naming multiple dimensions of your life. Like you start to feel like your energy is just flowing out in all these different areas of your life. And then it's like, what I start with clients is like, what are the activities you're doing where you can feel like you're pouring back into your cup? Mm -hmm. Because all of us can like do that quick reflection of like, what are the activities, the moments, the places, even maybe the people you're with where you can say, ah, that that puts a few drops back in the cup? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, for me, it is sunlight, beach, yoga. I have a bunch of my friends that are popping in my mind. But it's like you start to think of those things 
and you're like, how much of that have I gotten lately? Mm-hmm. And it's it's usually pretty quick. Wow. People are like, oh, <laughs> because we're getting wrapped up in other things and some of it's mm-hmm. unavoidable. But if we're trying to balance it out, we're trying to keep the ship afloat because the seas sometimes get rocky. We have to do things and make it a priority that make us feel connected, present. Mm-hmm. You know, that brunch with your best friend, that that late night pickleball on Friday night. Shout out to my pickleball crew. You know who you are. But those are the things where it's like when you start taking them out of your weekly schedule, they make a big difference. Mm-hmm. You play pickleball? So Don't even get me started on pickleball. Why we'll have we not a, ever heard about this? We pickleball? will go down a pickleball. We have not gotten snaps. Wait, I was wait, about to say we need some snaps wait. from the snap group. Yo. Okay, serious pickleball questions, like for serious, for real, super serious. Pickleball yeah. and tennis, what is the difference? Like, I'm I'm actually serious. I don't know the difference. The court is about a third the size, smaller. It's a very okay. tiny court. You use a hard surface, like I'd call it like a paddle. It's okay. not a racket. And the ball so like ping pong. is a wiffle ball, Shut which up. means it doesn't go as fast or hard. And it's actually much easier to hit. So in some, pickleball is way easier for anyone to pick up and play and get decent at. And tennis has a steep learning curve. Like that. pickleball is it's the fastest growing sport, at least here in America. Uh, and it has been since COVID for a reason, because anybody can pick up and play. That sounds like a de-stressor to me, for sure. If it's mm-hmm. easier than tennis, that's amazing. Yo. Yeah. I feel um, yeah. I can always I just picture it as like an easier version of ping pong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's no more, t- it's definitely more movement than ping pong. I mean, don't get me wrong. Top yeah. level table tennis players yeah. are running back and forth nonstop. But for all of us, you know, at our friend's house who play table tennis, you're not moving much. But you move a good amount in pickleball. <laughs> now we're in the pickleball <laughs> rabbit hole. But y'all check out pickleball wherever you live. So one way to de-stress is pickleball. Pickleball. <laughs> I'm, no, you have me thinking about the things that like de-stress me or the things that just right. distract me. You know, and mm-hmm. I and I think like there's a huge difference there of like mm-hmm. what is distracting because like KB, I was saying like if I throw myself into my work more, like once you start seeing me posting like rapid fire on, con- on social media, I'm stressed because I I'm just trying mm-hmm. to distract myself, you know. But if I really think about it, what actually makes me less stressed is connection, seeing friends, mm-hmm. having laughs, like laughing uncontrollably mm-hmm. about something silly, mm-hmm. you know, things like that actually reduce my stress, not mm-hmm. like making all these stitches to people who aren't sleeping or the people on TikTok who film themselves not sleeping. I like literally stitch every single one of them and they're all in my drafts and I haven't posted any of them and I just um, want to, but I yeah, do that to distract myself. You, I know. I'm always like, this is not helpful. You know, you haven't stitched me. <laughs> um, Gosh. I, it would take up my whole feed. Like I can't. Yeah. That would stress me out. Yeah. <laughs> like I can't. <laughs> I, I think in addition to, you know, identifying what fills your cup, because Justin, I definitely take that approach with my clients too. Like what are, you know, one to three things you can do every day that fill your cup. I also, for myself and my clients, try to figure out, okay, we can't completely change the situation. Like you can't, for most people, just quit your job or I work with a lot mm-hmm. of children and teens. You can't just quit school. But are there ways to reduce the stress you are experiencing? We're not going to get rid of it, 
But like, you know, for example, if I have a client who is like, I study four hours for every single test. Okay. What would it be like to study three hours? What kind of grade would you get? And if you could do an hour of sleep, resting, relaxation, things like that. Um, Boundary setting is one of my favorite ways to help reduce stress. So if you're at work, you know, okay, I'm supposed to be here nine to five. I'm leaving at five. I'm not answering emails, things like that. Um, So I encourage my clients to reflect and, okay, we can't change the external source of stress, but are there ways within that that we can reduce the amount of stress that you're experiencing? Mm. My, my favorite is, oh, I'm salaried for 40 hours. Oh, I'm working 40 hours. Thanks. Imagine that in our wow. burnout work culture. Yeah. Boundaries I would never work though. Fridays if I only worked 40 hours. <laughs> Good research on that, as we know, that's come yeah. out in the last year and a half. Four-day work week, more productive, better health. Again, it benefits everybody to have a four day work week. Although I know in some agencies it's harder to do, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Know what other research we have? <laughs> the Google Scholar Let's Shorts. Go. Let's, Let's go. Let's go, Jess. I love it. <laughs> I was trying. I was like, oh no, he's keep talking. He's keep. He's keep. He's talking. I'm gonna lose the transition. Stress me out. <laughs> Oh but it's God. an acute stress, and the stress should be gone once the transition the is over. Feel in my jaw rising. <laughs> okay, so we're talking about stress today. So, despite what that CNN article that came out a couple weeks ago, I'm sure you all saw it, that talked about how the pandemic did not have a significant impact on mental health, mm-hmm. said BBC. I'm like, would who are they oh, talking BBC. about? Yeah, Freaking yeah, BBC, BBC, not CNN. Thank you. Would we all agree here that the pandemic has been stressful on most people? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Final answer. <laughs> Why is KVI like, huh? I don't know. Because I have a twofold answer. Spill it. Okay, Spill it. T- well, yeah, I think health wise and, you know, for a lot of, for, for, you know, some subsets of people, it was stressful, but like also, like if I took away the idea that I could die from an illness, I was working from home. I was going on daily walks. It's valid. True. Like both can exist. That's valid. Yeah. yeah. I was connecting yeah. with people more than I did pre-COVID, more than I do now. You so were thriving. Like, I, I I think that there, like, I don't know. I think that there was a twofold. I don't want to. I don't want to take away from like you know the fear because I mm-hmm. absolutely had stress about that. But also yeah. like working from home was a vibe. That was the most introvert. I, I I know people who are introverted who instantly they're like, I love this. And all of us yeah. extroverts out there are like, this is my literal hell. <laughs> yeah. I still, I, I literally still operate like we have a pandemic going on. I like no. barely I mean, leave we my do. House. Like I just, technically, I, from, it's actually, still considered right, a pandemic. Yeah. Technically. Yeah. I feel like well, I know. See, more. I'm, I like I'm not, still, I'm still isolating. I'm in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm still okay. in the hospital. Okay. Anyways, what role do you all think social support played in individuals' perceived stress during the pandemic? I, I would say well, huge. It would be my guess, a huge role. Mm-hmm. H- huge role how so, Justin? I would think it would mediate. Like I think 
having the social support would make you not feel overwhelmed or mm -hmm, mm -hmm. have stress impact your immune system and lead more kind of chronic. Okay. Yeah. I think it's a protective to, factor. Do, do we remember Wait and find Zoom? out. But <laughs> Like, I mean, Zoom board game nights? Where yeah. You played, where you got on Zoom and you played yeah. games or whatever. You had sure. cocktail hour. Mm -hmm. I connected more with the people in my life during those, like that year, than I probably had ever. <laughs> so. It was like a reality check for you. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, damn. <clears throat> yeah. So – we're going to talk about the role of social support and the relationship between perceived stress and um, psychological distress during the COVID-19 pandemic. So as we know, especially at the beginning with the social distancing, quarantining, and other containment measures, um, it really impacted our social connectedness and it contributed to heightened levels of perceived stress. So the authors of this study define perceived stress as the extent to which situations and events in one's life are appraised as unpredictable, uncontrollable, and overwhelming. So previous literature has demonstrated that social support is a protective factor in reducing mental health problems. So just what Justin was say saying. Um, so the goal of the study was to investigate the protective role of social support and the relationship between perceived stress and then psychological distress as an outcome. They looked at both perceived and received social support. So, you know, the subjective appraisals of the availability, accessibility, and adequacy of social support networks, as well as the actual quantity of social support received. Um, participants were 322 university students um, in South Africa. Data was actually collected between April and June of 2022, which I was really excited about because a lot of the studies coming out from the pandemic were just in 2020. Um, mm. So it looked over two years in the pandemic. Um, I should have said this study came out in 2023. Uh, 77% were women, um, and then they completed measures of social support, stress, depression, anxiety, and hopelessness. So probably unsurprisingly, high levels of perceived stress during the pandemic were associated with high levels of hopelessness, depression, and anxiety. Support from family, friends, and significant others was associated with lower levels of hopelessness, depression, and anxiety. So correlational relationships that we would expect. Mm. Interestingly, social support was a significant mediator for the relationship between perceived stress and depression, as well as perceived stress and hopelessness, but not anxiety. Wow. So social support did not mediate that relationship. Um, so basically what they said that if someone is stressed they have and they have low levels of social support, they were at increased risk of depression and hopelessness as well as obviously the opposite. If they had high social support, um, they have decreased risk for depression and hopelessness. One of the reasons the authors posited that social support may not have mediated the relationship between perceived stress and anxiety is if we consider the context of the pandemic, which was KBI was alluding to, uncertainty regarding the course of the outbreak, the long-term impact of their lives, fear about health and mm. the health of others mm. is going to be present regardless wow. of social huh. support. Interesting. Um, so then the authors also looked at moderating relationship. So for those that aren't familiar with statistics, so a moderator 
basically looks at something that would affect the strength and direction of the relationship. So although social support was not a significant mediator between perceived stress and anxiety, it was a significant moderator. So at low levels of perceived stress, participants with high levels of support from significant others, families, and friends reported lower levels of anxiety than those with low levels of support. Mm -hmm. But this was the most interesting um, finding I found. So However, as levels of perceived stress increase, those with high levels of support reported higher levels of anxiety. And similarly, that same relation was found for depression. So those um, who had higher levels of social support also reported higher levels of depression. So the authors posited that the higher social support may strengthen the relationship between perceived stress and depression due to like expectations of successful coping or like needing to reciprocate Mm. that support, feeling like they're not meeting expectations, that they're not coping effectively with the pandemic. And they say they see their friends or they perceive their friends coping um, effectively with the pandemic in turn causing more distress, more anxiety, lower mood. That's wild. (laughs) For, For the listeners out there who hear perceived stress, I just want to kind of highlight what that might mean. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, y'all. So perceived stress might be the way that you perceive or interpret your own stress. It's not the actual Mm -hmm. stressful event. Do I have that right? Or Yeah. So how they defined it is appraising it as unpredictable, uncontrollable, or overwhelming. So like how you appraise the event that occurred. Okay. No, thanks for that. That's so interesting. It, it makes me curious about other circumstances because another factor that's caught up in the pandemic is so the social connection factor in a lot of ways we were taught was bad. Like there's a unique mm. extraneous variable here of we were put in our head. And I know they probably didn't break down was this online social support, in-person yeah, social support. Do you, if you live in a big family and all those people around us, like I know for me, one of the biggest things, and I know technically we're still in the pandemic, but was I was associating crowds of people as a huge negative, even if it was like a family gathering, right? We were taught that that's bad. So I just think there's this interesting thing about this pandemic that social and connection and people that that might be like sort of it was associated as well stay away from each other Mm -hmm. yeah so wild because i think yeah because i think when i think about the pandemic you're right it's like i wanted to connect with my friends so much but it it was bad i mean you shouldn't obviously you know Mm. so it, it it's interesting how it changes based on the circumstance too right and I don't think any of us felt bad online or FaceTime or Zoom. But then mm-hmm. I know for me, again, my extroverted butt, I like new environments. I like stimulating. Mm-hmm. I, get me out of any place I've been for too many hours. <laughs> so I like – I am I know a lot of you at home, like you're from another planet, sir. But other people relate to that of like yeah, yeah. we need to change it up. We like stimulating environments. We like being around groups of people. And the pandemic, yo, wasn't it? Justin's wasn't house it? during the pandemic do was like his personal hell right now. Yeah. <laughs> Just like being locked into the four walls. Oh. Like, 
Well, I think, I don't know, when I think about it too, like beyond introversion and extroversion, I think we like some level of routine and then some level of spontaneity mm-hmm. and excitement. So I think that totally. could also be super stressful if you're just in one or the other, you know? Oh. And it's like, oh my gosh, like oh. when is this going to end? Yeah. It's crazy. You know what else we love though? The polls. The polls! <laughs> <laughs> really do. I'm solid. a big fan personally. I had but. some good ones this week. Sorry, y'all. My dog wants to be here and hang out, but he's like, it's because he, he senses wants, the stress. He wants yeah, to see my chicken nuggets. Yeah, what's their perceived stress? Yeah, he he just wants these chicken nuggets that I have right here. So that's literally. Oh, <laughs> wow. Who doesn't? <laughs> he's Where stressed because he just wants them. Uh, the freezer. <laughs> They're gluten <laughs> <Jason. laughs> Not everybody door dashes everything, Jessen. Not everybody has a Walter that will just... Sorry, I forgot we're recording. Go ahead. Oh, Walter. So the first question that I asked was, are you stressed right now? Yes, 100%. That's me. Only a little bit. Or, nah, I'm not stressed. Yes, 100%. That's me. 42 Oh, yo, I swear on my life. I was going to say 42. That was weird. Really? I oh swear my on my life. I should, yeah. I'll, 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 do, I'll do 40. We could both I want to do the middle. I and you're going to be 41. One. Oh. Do it. Fine. <laughs> so, nah, I'm not stressed was 2%. Okay. okay. Good for those 2% of group members. I know. I love that. I love that. Maybe they're understimulated though. Wait, but here's the thing. How did they, how did they answer this question? Because the question was, are you stressed right now? So maybe they were just relaxing on their Sundays doing a poll. That's valid. valid. Um, Yes. A hundred percent. That's me. 68%. Oh, wow. Only a little bit coming in at 29. Wow. Mm -hmm. Damn. That Instagram did not do the correct math again. That's only ninety nine percent. Anyways, okay. I literally can't even add. I would so not even. I would have no idea. I, would have yeah. no idea. I don't yeah. do math. It's like that's why I'm yeah. a social worker. When you're stressed, what's the first thing you notice? Changes in my sleep, changes in my mood, changes in my physical health, or something else? Oh, this is a good question. I know. I want to say it. sleep because I just love talking about sleep. But I feel like it's mood. I feel like okay. it's mood too because I feel like that can encompass a lot of things. Mood, yeah. 76%. Okay. Damn, I was going to say 70 something. I'm going to go with like 60 something. I'm nervous now. Okay, 62. I'm going, I'm going mood but low. I'm going mood 39%. Mm. Damn. Well, Justin wins based on prices, right? Because it's changes in my mood at 60%. Oh, well. Okay. With changes in my sleep at 17, changes in my physical health, 16, and something else is 6. I'm curious. I mean, there's a lot of other things. That's that's not correct either. That's still 99%. (laughs) This is bothering me. It's close enough. It's close enough. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Take the math. Put down the math, Jess. The math is not mathing. Like. Put it, yeah. I don't know how you that. do it in your head. I just use a calculator. Just remove the calculator portion right? of like it's, whoever that is. You said six, yeah. six, seven. I don't remember. And I'm okay. already on the next yeah. one. I got a remainder when I did it. 
Oh my god, that brought me back. Holy shit. You remember Everyone. Remainders? Flashback. Stop. What Go area, to the next one. I'm going to have a conniption. What area of your life causes the most stress? My job? <clears throat> me. Uh, my finances? My home life? Or something else? Ooh. Mm. Ooh. I want to answer this for me, but I'm trying to answer it for everybody else. Um, I feel like for people, job is the most stressful, I, I'm assuming. I don't know. But then personal life, so much shit could happen. Um, so I'm going to go something else because I feel like a lot of our group members are still in school. Mm. And so – That is so smart but I feel like, <laughs> But I feel like something else and like work are probably close. Something I'm else. Yeah. Oh, you go, Justin. I, I was like going to say always. finances, 33%. Okay. Oh. Something else, 36%. I'm going to say job, 40 well, job comes in hot at 32%. Okay. With something else coming in at 29. Okay. Wow. My home life is 23 and my finances are 17. Those were actually all interesting. Pretty close. Yeah, because wow. they all like because the job interacts with finances. They, mm -hmm. they all interact. It's hard yeah. to pick just one. Yeah. That's a good question. That's well, a really I good question. So I did these on Easter. And so my favorite thing about the polls was the photo of me on my niece's little trike <laughs> that I set up a countdown for. Oh my God. Um, nice. The question was, what is your favorite way to reduce stress? Mm. We have walk mm. my pup in nature, take Aww. a brain break, doing absolutely nothing or something that doesn't require much thinking. Someone said therapy is the first thing that comes to mind. Love it. Someone said Target Run. Don't forget the Starbucks. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. so, someone said, what's this reduced stress that you speak of? <laughs> oh language. That's good. That's so like good. That's it. so good. Painting, writing, crafts and music, <clears throat> hiking. My mm. personal favorite, screaming in the car. Let it out. Oh, my God. Let it crying. Out. Specifically, it again, out. me crying in the shower. I've done Did you submit that one? I did not. Yes. Someone found, I don't know how this decreases their stress, but I guess it does. Cleaning. Some oh, that decreases my that. stress. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. If I'm cleaning, I, it's I, because I'm avoiding something else. Yeah. I feel like I feel good about the cleaning and then I get upset that I'm exhausted and then I'm like, I did this to myself. Like, it's just, yeah. <laughs> See, <laughs> I'm, said, if I'm, my environment is like, dirty or messy it just increases my stress so by cleaning so, yeah i wish i decrease. could show you my living space right now don't please don't I, don't want, I, for I, I do not i don't i don't please need don't. any more stress please don't show me because i'm packing <laughs> for disney like, and literally. i have three suitcases out with clothes at, it's bad someone said bitch to a friend yes mm -hmm. i relatable yeah changing their environment mm-hmm I've been stressed every single day of my life. I don't know peace. Oh, God. <laughs> my Lord. heart. Oh. Lord. That isn't me in a nutshell. Um, listening to brown noise. Do you guys know what brown noise is? I mm -hmm. fall asleep to brown noise every I night. I love it. It makes you my do. brain go quiet. It itches the lobotomy part of my brain. 
is so it's the perfect perfect frequency like find brown noise and play it i think it sounds like an air conditioning unit personally but Mm -hmm. it's like like it just makes my brain stop working and it's wonderful there's so many different kinds of Oh my god! Yeah, because so, white noise to me, white noise is like too much. Brown noise, it's high pitch. It, yeah, white yeah, is yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Brown, yeah. it's like screaming. Yeah. What was that, Justin? Mm-hmm. White is what? <laughs> oh my gosh! We can't so unhear that. No, that's it. Okay, so this is a little statistic. What percentage of people report being stressed on average during the day? What percentage of people? 24 percent, 42 percent, 55 percent, or 88 percent. Oh, my God. My gut tell – I don't know. I'm curious where the sample was. Here in America, too, this, here in America I'm saying over 50. I would say 55. Okay. Maybe I'm going with the, I'm going with the highest. I don't give – So I voted for, for 88, but now I'm thinking the correct answer is 55. <laughs> so – the correct answer is 55. Okay. Damn. Mo- but 42% of people went with 88, with 39% of people going with 55, 16, 42, and 4% for 24. Wow. 24 sounds like the sample would be in Italy. I don't know <laughs> why. Do you know that Greece? No, Greece is the highest. Greece is a whole other country than Italy now that that's coming out of my mouth. What yeah. is going on? Fair. Geography. Uh-oh. 101. <laughs> do, 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 do. Can't do math or geography. <laughs> I was going to say, Greece where, is the most stressed out nation. That's oh. Wait, that's wait, a- really? Mm-hmm. Have, you all, have you all ever seen the Netflix series about the happiest city on earth? I can't remember for the life of me what it is, no, but these people not are not Maine, stressed. That's for sure. It's definitely no, not isn't Maine. it it's in like country. Sweden or Switzerland? Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure. I got to double check. But yeah, they're like not sh- – not as stressed as we are, which makes a lot of sense because of how they live, but it's interesting. So then I asked, Denmark. who do you think Denmark is? Denmark. Well, that's okay, not the that city, but that's what comes up with a quick Google search. That makes sense. Then I asked the group members, who do they think the m- most stressed out person is on the pod? Jess. Jess. <laughs> I think they said Actually, TBI, it's a, it's a, and I'm a close it's a type. It's a tie between Justin and Kristen, but Justin's kind of like you're not like overtly stressed. I think I like, feel like people don't think Justin is stressed because he like is so extroverted and like goes to the beach and yeah. like gets the sun. Like I think like, he no. they don't covers it. Well. They don't listen to Justin on Sunday nights, sending voice <sighs> memos while he's editing the podcast. Oh my lord! <laughs> oh, if we're going off of that, Justin is the most stressed out of all <laughs> four on. of us. It's just all curse words. That those, it is. Those voice messages. And videos. Guys, look oh at this. Oh, my God. Do you know that there was a study Guys, I'm about to they, lose my mind right now. There's a, they did an I can't. Study that I've exported I've exported it three times. and This is fucking bullshit. It won't work. It's the third time. Fucking, fucking Kristen, your audio is not lighting up. Nothing's, nothing's working. And it's Sunday night. It's like the Lord's Day. Like we're all trying to just – we're all of the Sunday it's, scary. It's 9 o'clock Justin's at like, night. We're like, Justin, why did you wait till 9 o'clock at night to export it in the first place? And then he's it's like, midnight. I've been working on this for seven hours. 
it's midnight. I'm concerned about his sleep. We're getting voice memos at midnight. I can't export it. I'm like, oh my god, we're not. We're all not sleeping on Sunday night. Jess is now stressed because Jess is stressed because she's not sure if it'll be uploaded by 4 (laughs) a.m. There was one she day to get her when I woke in. up the other day at four, I think it was two episodes ago, and the podcast hadn't loaded yet. And I was like, why isn't it up? I was this up before the podcast. group therapy. This moment in time is the actual group therapy. We're just letting oh, it out. I hope – okay, if you want to cut this out, Justin, you can. I didn't want to no. out you, but like I just had to take this moment. Um, no, it's excellent. Yeah. Anyways, who okay, did our going member with- say was the most stressed? They, they, they <laughs> fucking don't pay attention to me because they say I'm the most stressed, but obviously I quit my job two weeks ago, so I'm flying high. Well, maybe they're thinking of a few episodes ago. What what yeah. percentage said you were the most stressed? Fucking 38%. Okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, yeah. you got 29, Jess. Okay. K10 got 21, and Justin got lucky number 13. Yeah. Okay. It's smile. Wow. Look at that. Look at me smiling. Just I am going to vo- I'm going to record every voice memo now that you send me on a Sunday <laughs> oh night. Oh my god! And I'm going to out you in the stories. Y'all, don't don't catch me on a Sunday. Don't catch me editing. Don't. Yeah, I I'm I a think- perfectionist. Editing anything. Don't you don't even want to be near me. I think it, yeah, the environment and the task at hand matters. When you're editing, super stressed. When you're on the beach, probably not, you know. And then there's me. I'm like, it's fine. Just put it up wonky. It's okay. Yeah, Mia takes me like three days to upload it to YouTube. So I'm just like, (laughs) I can't. Like it's. That's my new new favorite thing. I'm Justin posts a decent video. I'm like, how many times did you record that? How many times did you get mad? Thousands. All of them. Thousands. (laughs) I can't. No other way to create content. I did think of you the other day because I re-recorded a video like five times. Wow. And I was like, I'm full and adjusted. And then I recorded it and I was like, it's fine. Yeah. I seriously, I don't think I've ever done more than three takes for a video ever in my life. Like ever. I wouldn't recognize you in the street. I don't know who you are. I couldn't do it. I'd be like, oh, it's not meant to be. I'd be like, my mouth didn't quite move in the perfect shape of the word I said. So I better redo it. My favorite thing to do is to text Justin and be like, your eye's a little wonky in the video. No, don't your do that. Your smile dropped a little don't bit. Don't do that. Your this hair moved slightly. This is bad. Oh, my God. Okay, we have to move on to <laughs> the group member questions. So. Love them. I can't wait. This is my favorite part. <clears throat> Love your questions every week. So we get so excited for your questions every single week. And as a reminder, these questions are not meant to be a replacement for professional advice, but to help all of our listeners learn more about stress and how it can impact our lives. Therefore, some questions may have been generalized to preserve anonymity. Let's get started. Okay. So Leanne from the Netherlands asked, why do some people handle stress easier than others? What do y'all think? I would say if they already have coping skills or if they have a mm-hmm. toolbox of coping skills and know kind of what um, helps them, if they're aware of their triggers for stress, aware of the warning signs for stress, it's usually, and I'm making a general statement here, um, easier to manage if you can intervene earlier. If you're like, mm-hmm. ooh, I'm starting to feel stressed, let me do x y or z to help reduce it or get ahead of it as much as you can i'm definitely convinced some people have 
a better relationship with stress. Mm -hmm. And I know for sure some people are probably in that camp where they they feel a stress symptom and kind of spiral. Mm, and mm, I, I'm mm. thinking of earlier versions of myself. I think I think that was me, like in the very beginning of trying to manage stress in my own life. But I think there are some people that lean into it. They're like, give me this challenge. Like, I, I'm going to learn a lot or grow through this. Um, and then I think there's other people where the, the narrative starts spiraling of it's too much. I'm going to fail. This is going to mm. break me. Like, I know some of y'all are like, yep, I say that to myself. But y'all, mm. we know this cognitive component is a big component. But there's so many other factors as well. There's biological differences, I'm sure. And mm. I definitely everything Jess had just echoed. Like, some people have experimented more and kind of know more of what gives them regulation, activates that mm. parasympathetic mm. nervous system and gets them more in a rest and digest state. Yeah. And I think it's sometimes too, just like, is it something that you're anticipating or not? I think mm. that that oh, plays such yeah. a huge totally. role. So like, mm -hmm. if you know that this stress is coming, then I, I mean, I can cope ahead. I already know how, like all of that versus, um, you know, something that happens completely and utterly abruptly. So like, you know, my coworker is out on maternity leave right now. I've known that for months so I've already known how to start preparing for her absence versus if my coworker, instead of going out on maternity leave, went out on abrupt medical leave for the same amount of time. It would right. look very different in terms of coping with that stress. Mm. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And Frankie from Texas asked a very similar question. And I'm, I'm just kind of thinking in my mind about what y'all are saying. And I'm thinking as well, like, what were your models for dealing with stress, like a parent or a caregiver or people around you, you know, I think those models actually matter too in younger years. And like, you kind of learn how to have that relationship with stress or not, you know, these are really good, good questions and good answers. Um, so Kathleen from California, she asked, can a person be addicted to stress? I don't know if, I don't know if addicted, but like comfortable in chaos and comfortable mm -hmm. in stress. Like, again, like, you know how to navigate it. So I know, K-10, you talked about grad school. Like, I remember getting out of grad school and being stressed about not being stressed. Me too. <laughs> because I lived in chaos and constantly having something on my to-do list, constantly doing whatever, that not having that was so uncomfortable. And so I think when you spend so much time living in chaos or stress or whatever, that just becomes your normal. Mm. And so I, I think I wouldn't call it maybe addiction, but maybe you're just more prone to, again, seeking the stimulus, see, mm -hmm. like that type of stuff, because it's just what you're comfortable with. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think some people just want more challenge in their life mm. and they feel less than or empty or I would even throw in could get depressed without enough challenge. But again, I think you get a lot of individual differences with that. I think, it, you know, is it a bad thing? That's when I think I go back to the study I talked about at the top of this episode of it would depend on the person. Is it a bad thing? If they're just always overloading themselves and always mm. throwing themselves in the challenge or always like seemingly putting themselves in the middle of chaos, 
it would depend on the person and it wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. I love that. That has me thinking about things in such a different way, you know, just to think about that. Cause I was an EMT for a while and I'm like, why did I like that job so much? Like, mm-hmm. why did I like crave it? Like I volunteered 20 hours a week. I was paid, you know, I had a full-time paid job. I was in school as well. I'm like, why did I like lean into that? And I think that's probably part of it. You want to be challenged, you know? Um, and I didn't realize that that was part of it. Cause I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so burnt out. I'm not sleeping. Why am I doing this? And yeah, I probably just wanted to be challenged. I don't know. Um, Okay. Uh, Rianne from Arizona. I have the most vivid nightmares slash sleep paralysis dreams when I'm stressed. Do you have any pre-sleep tips to add to my routine when I'm feeling particularly stressed before bed? Jess talked about her stress um, stress dreams before. <laughs> Jess, do you do anything to help yourself with um, or anything with your sleep? Um, I try to go to bed earlier if possible. Um, and you like all 7 know PM? I go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> if we're not recording the pod so I can go to bed at, you know, eight. Um, no, but I, I am more intentional of like, and I, I know, uh, Justin talked about this on one of our other episodes. Like those would be the times I'm like, I can record the show and not watch it so that I'm getting better sleep. Um, mm-hmm. or I'll try to do activities like read before bed. I, I do try to do that, but you know, I have a bad habit of being on my phone, but if I'm more stressed, like do a quiet, calming activity um, before and really prioritize my sleep um, as much as I can. But yeah, I'll be honest, that's probably something I should do better. It's more like I have the stress dreams and I'm like, oh, I'm stressed. I should do something about that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we notice that for people who tend to have vivid nightmares or dreams, you know, whenever they are stressed, that we suggest basic sleep hygiene. You know, there's not a big correlation between sleep hygiene and, you know, nightmares and stuff like that, but we notice that it reduces like, it reduces the um, frequency in which people have these dreams potentially. Everybody's different. We're still, this is still an active um, part of research that we're doing on dreams. But with sleep paralysis, sleep paralysis is interesting because, Sometimes it could be based on stress and sometimes you're kind of in between, um, you're in between a sleep cycle and you're kind of not quite there yet, but your body Mm. like wants to wake up or something wakes you up and you're kind of just like a little stuck. Um, it could be pretty terrifying for people. Um, but, but yeah. Um, so Pony from the UK said, do stress related repetitive behaviors count as self-harm if the goal is stress reduction rather than injury? So this is interesting. Um, Pony's basically asking, you know, <clears throat> is there a connection between repetitive behaviors and stress? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Um, I mean, I struggle with um, body-focused repetitive behaviors in, in the form of skin picking. And I think I've talked about this um, on one of our episodes before, like in when the pandemic first started, Um, I had to call my doctor to be put on a more intensive anxiety medication um, because my stress and my anxiety had increased to the point that I was ripping holes in my feet. Um, And I wasn't, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even notice um, because I was so stressed and it was so body repetitive. I was ripping my face apart. I was ripping my legs apart. I tend to do places most often that get covered. Um, I'm much better like with my face, but like, um, when I'm stressed, I mindlessly will 
we'll start picking, um, you know, there's that specifically to me, but you know, there are plenty of other body repetitive behaviors like hair pulling, um, and things like that, that people might engage in, but absolutely they can be related when your stress increases. All right. Sorry. It was hard for me to unmute that one. Okay. So Leela from Germany, how can we deal with, <clears throat> how can we deal with things sending us very quickly into a stress response? Um, so especially for someone who might have CPTSD or anxiety. So they asked, you know, maybe it's our nervous system or anxiety that got worse, but basically how do we deal with things um, while we're stressed and it sends us into that stress response? The first thing that I think of is acknowledging what stress response you have, you know? So for some people, it's fight or, when they're in fight or flight, they might, you know, they might freeze, they might run, they might, you know, get really distracted. Um, but I think really noticing is the first step. I don't know what y'all think, but I, I think kind of noticing what your body naturally does is really important. Um, does anybody else have anything else? I agree. And if the undermining experience has been trauma, I would suggest mm -hmm. you put energy and focus towards that because I think if, if trauma is driving the bus, I would highly recommend like finding yourself a great trauma therapist mm -hmm. and going down the road to processing that because you can do a lot of things to manage stress. Uh, I know we've thrown out some here. You can learn how to deepen the breath, activate your parasympathetic nervous system. You could take up yoga. You could be connected with others. But trauma is this thing that if we avoid it long term, you're still going to be having these stress responses. And again, I, I'm biased in this, but I think you really have to tackle the trauma if you want to kind of see what's left over. And some of us still, we've been in trauma therapy for years and it's gotten better, but we're, we can still get activated in different ways. And so I love the reflection K10 just gave. Mm -hmm. Okay. BW from Kansas. This is a really good question. Are there acute and episodic Okay. Are acute and episodic acute stress interchangeable or are the two different types of stress? I know that there's different types of stress. Justin, you'll probably know more about this than, than I do or than, than we do because um, your dissertation, all I know is like acute and chronic stress. But Yeah. the way Episodic can be kind of used as something that's acute that happens frequently. So it, a, a way to say, think yeah. about it, acute stress is like, you have a deadline of a paper coming up, you know, or like it could get stimulated because you're crossing the street and someone like locked up their brakes and like, you're like, holy crap. Like you feel the jolt, you feel the adrenaline kick in, but like it, it happens in discrete kind of moments. Oh, I'm rushed. I didn't prepare for the podcast. Shoot. I better do something real quick. But a good example of this is like, if you work in an environment where that happens on a sort of daily basis, that's when we use the the term episodic. Like healthcare workers is a good example where it's it's being stimulated in a certain environment repetitively. Where if we just keep expanding on this, chronic stress tends to be used in situations like poverty, people mm -hmm. living in you know high crime or threatening environments, people living with a partner who's abusive in any way. Those are some examples of what we'd use when we talk about chronic stress. Mm. So interesting. Okay. 
Tiffany from England. We have people from all over. This is so exciting. I I know. I love it. Um, I joke that I live in a constant state of stress because when I'm not stressed, I don't know what to do and I feel anxious and stressed about it. What tips do you have for learning to enjoy the calm instead of being consumed by the feeling that I'm missing something? Me too, This is such a good question. Me too, bestie. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Tiffany, we're on this with you. Um, I don't know. I I don't know how y'all will take this, but um, I I kind of struggled with this quite a bit. And I think KBI mm-hmm. and I've been kind of going back and forth about like grad school and stuff like that. Um, I had to acknowledge that the calm was okay. Like I almost had to see it as something that I could welcome into my life, and it wasn't necessarily bad, and I wasn't missing out, and like it was okay. Because yes. I think sometimes when we're in a constant state of chaos or stress, just say it's just say it's chronic stress, just say for someone. Um, when things are calm, they might be like, when is the next shoe going to drop? Like I'm scared, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and if you're in a safe environment, then really kind of trying to challenge yourself to think about it in a way that you could welcome it in. At least that's what's worked for me. What about you guys? I had to really unlearn stress because, you know, growing up with trauma, growing up in the environment that I did, you know, stress has had had been there for as long as I can remember. So it was just an innate part of my life. Um, and so I really had to unlearn and relearn stress. And that, um, you know, finding like some stress is healthy. Some stress is good. Stress every moment of every day of your life, not so good. And really, and and it's actually not good to be stressed about things not being stressed. Mm. And like that's counter and like mm. really like learning, like, you know, how counter, how counterproductive. And that came with like my trauma healing um, because a lot of that was partnered with those for myself. Um, but really having to like relearn what stress is. I think for me, because this is something I struggle with too, is first like giving myself permission to enjoy the calm and that it's okay. Mm. Um, and then I'm very like cognitively based, like very, yeah, I, I work things out of my head. I try to reframe. And so like, I'll ask myself like, you know, what is bad about things not stressed? But what am I fearful that I'm missing out on? Like, and asking myself those questions. And a lot of times there aren't answers to it. Like, or, or what the answers are are not actually that big of a stressor, but it, it is it is hard and your body needs those times of calm and rest as well. Oh, yeah. yeah it's, I think it's hard to unlearn these things, you know, and try to, I don't know, try to think about them differently because I think for some people the calm could feel like a sense of like, oh, no something's going to happen or this is unusual. What's going on? It's almost like a warning sign for some people. So I think depending on who you are, of course, you assess your level of safety as well. I think that's important. But um, Abby from Ohio. Let's go. I know. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Okay. I was like, okay, get it out. Get it out. Um, O-H. O-H. I heard, I um, heard Abby yell I-O is what I just said. Okay. I, like, I think I heard her too, actually. I did hear it in the distance. I heard it. Um, I through this ceiling. Okay. 
Abby, okay, so I am a grad student and a question that came up in my di diagnosis class when talking about anxiety disorders. Do you think that stress is on the rise due to social circumstances or do you think that stress is becoming more accepted and an identifiable and a, an identifiable causing people to just claim to relate to it more on the daily? And then Abby also asked another question too. How do we work to help people understand that anxiety disorders and stress are different? Abby, this is a great the first one is a really great question. I want to hear y'all's thoughts on it. The second one I can answer quickly. Anxiety, persistent and excessive worry that exists even in the absence of a stressor. Little thought, little thought experiment here. Dr. J's paying for all of us to go to Jamaica. Oh, can you hear? Bob Marley in the background. My feet are in the sand. Thank you. I feel Wash excited. You're washing on them. my face. <laughs> Some of you don't have a cocktail in your hand. Could you listen to the alcohol episode? Some of us do. Oh, you know, we're gonna mindfully have our one, but or a few. But in either way, we're here in Jamaica. We're all chilling out. Anxiety for people can still be there. They're worried about, am I getting too enough sunlight? Did I put on enough sunscreen? I'm, I'm so worried. Did something I eat earlier, is it going to hurt my stomach? I don't think I really got enough sleep. This is the mind, a lot of y'all know, if you have chronic anxiety, it, it's still going. In the absence of a place, for a lot of us who deal with stress, even chronic stress, you just put me on a beautiful Jamaican beach, I'm, I'm feeling pretty great. Now, it's not to say that people with anxiety wouldn't also feel great relief on a beautiful beach. They probably would, but that's the take home point. All of us deal with stress. All of us have deadlines. All of us have challenges, but anxiety, and this is why when it's used interchangeably, it starts to make my head spin. Anxiety is something completely different because it's not dependent on a, a stressor. It's persistent worry that we know has a strong biological component for people. I'm, yeah, so I'm going to say focused on the fact that you're paying for a trip to Jamaica, though. Yeah, thank you. That's Listen, noted. I was going to say thank you for paying for the trip in Jamaica. Yeah, and thank you. that was a bomb answer. Can we just like acknowledge yes. that? That was, that was yes. pristine. That's that that's great. gonna get him yeah. a partnership that's gonna pay for our trip to Jamaica. Trip to yeah. Jamaica. I'm, I'm just gonna admit to people I play the Mega Millions. Like I don't care oh. that I know a lot about stats. When the Mega Millions is high, Justin's buying a few cards. And oh if God. and when it hits, we're all going. Welcome Every listener, there's like, I'm gonna hold you to that. I listen to episode Welcome to Group 26. Therapy live from Jamaica. <laughs> I feel um. less stressed thinking about it. Yeah. yeah. But Abby, going back to the, the first part of your question, is stress on the rise due to social circumstances or do you think stress is becoming more accepted and just people claim to relate it to it more? I mean, honestly, it could be both. I do think as our society has adapted is probably not the right word, but changed over the years, especially with the pandemic, I do truly think like the stressors that we are facing are much more than the generations mm -hmm. before us. Um, I mean, we talked about finances briefly in the polls and we think of, you know, cost of living and, you know, how, mm -hmm. when, I mean, 
even just our generation, we're all millennials and I don't want to talk to all your specific experiences, but I knew a lot of kids, myself included, that if they had a two-parent household, one parent worked, one stayed at home. It's very hard for families to function off of a single income household Mm -hmm. nowadays if there's multiple kids. Um, We have you know, long hours at work, higher expectations and demands, social media. We have a pandemic. Like I, I do think there is a lot of, you know, and then hustle culture and things like that. Um, social circumstances that do play into increased stress. And then if you think, and we've talked about a lot of, you know, stress management strategies, stress reduction strategies, things like that. But if we're thinking of the more chronic stress and like health implications of mm-hmm. such, and then, you know, mm-hmm. not everybody has access to go mm-hmm. to therapists, go get health care, things like that, that's going to perpetuate those stress. So I, I truly, I personally believe, but I would love to get everybody's thoughts that our social circumstances have caused an increase in stress. And mm-hmm. some people might also just be like, everybody's stressed. So I guess I'm stressed too. <laughs> mm, that's a good point. I mean, I mean, I don't know how many more unprecedented events I can live through. <laughs> I mean, like, <sighs> yeah. The robots just, yeah. are coming for us. You've been warned. <laughs> I, I at this point I'm gonna be like just take me honestly like I'm cool I I'm like seriously me and me and Chat GPT are besties now like gosh you've been I don't sucking care. up lately I know what your plan is you're just you know I'm getting Chat GPT to love me and then like I'm gonna be the first pick you know I'm excited yeah I'm joking K Ten's gonna be first round Smart. pick that's why you better buy that trip to Jamaica so she remembers gosh crazy your friendship's enough you don't have to buy a trip to jamaica um but i mean it's not for me you need to buy me that trip to jamaica noted noted but michelle from singapore and l from the netherlands also asked pretty much the exact same question so i just wanted to shout them out thank you um they asked about the difference between stress and anxiety um and then raylan from minnesota asked a very similar question but she asked the difference between anxiety and burnout and stress so i think there's all these different categories when I think about the difference between stress and burnout, my dissertation was on burnout. Justin's was on stress, so we're going to battle. I'm kidding. Um, mm-hmm. But when I think of burnout, I think of you feel some sense of stress that has just gotten to the point where you feel almost like we call it like depersonalization, but not in the mm-hmm. diagnostic sense. You just feel very disconnected from the people around you, which could mm-hmm. technically also be stress. Um, but I, Justin, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Um, we also think of feeling a low level of personal accomplishment. And that could be with work, with parenting, with yourself in a relationship, whatever it means. And then you might also feel this emotional exhaustion where you just feel so thin, like worn thin emotionally, where you feel like you have nothing else to give. Um, So when people are burnt out, they might feel all these things when it comes to one area of life, but it might be for a long period of time, just depends on the circumstance. Um, Justin, is there any differences with stress and burnout, do you think? Or is it kind of the same? Yeah, I think you did a good job hitting on it. The one thing I would say is when people experience stress, they can get activated. You know, we Mm. can get like a lot of more activating symptoms, sweating, heart palpitations, kind of more up symptoms in some ways. When we talk classically about burnout, it's not to say you can't have that, but we talk more about like the empty battery of like 
almost like the hopelessness and the drained and you just got nothing left to give. So it's sort of a, in my mind, there's a different focus on the symptoms. Like it's sort mm -hmm. of a different constellation, but they're connected. Certainly right. they yeah. certainly relate and influence each other. But I think especially in acute stress and how we experience the things I'm talking about, how you might feel cramming to get your paper done, you might feel a big up boost, but mm. you wouldn't usually feel that if you're in burnout. I agree with that. Yeah. Burnout is like that. It, it almost feels like insidious at times where, like you said, with stress, you kind of feel it in your body with burnout. You're just kind of like trying to go mm. through the motions and it's hard, um, depending on who you are. Um, okay. Raylan from Alabama can positive things cause stress? Can stress be good in some ways? By the way, I love the pod. Y'all are what gets me through history class. Raylan, I didn't hear that. That's okay. You're still paying attention in history, right? It's okay. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> um, but I, I think we alluded before that there could be um, things that stress us out that could be positive or, mm -hmm. you know, it could be just a sense of calm that's stressful for us because we just don't know what to do with our time. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think of really positive things that can cause stress. And I think it might be like that anticipatory, like not anxiety, like worry, but oh my gosh, how am I going to feel when this happens? You know, when I graduate, like I'm stressed out about thinking about how I mm -hmm. might feel or what might happen mm -hmm. after that. Um, anybody else have anything to add? Getting married, planning a oh, wedding. Oh yeah, yeah. Big life that events. Was, that, was, that was stressful. A lot of performance-based things, competition, <laughs> even watching a sporting event. Y'all don't want to see me watch a sporting event. I lose lose my mind, but it can you're you're just like energized and you're in it. It can be like a positive sort of thing and still be exhausting. Mm -hmm. Definitely. All right. Let's see. Rachel from Washington asked about book recommendations. Justin dropped one. Any others that you could think of right off the top? If not, we could put it in the show notes. I love – this is more specific if you're trying to get into more mindfulness, meditation, yoga. I love Full Catastrophe Living. John <gasps> That's Kevin such Zinn. a good book. It's a really good one. I think Kevin Zinn does a really good job of talking about stress in the ways that you probably would want to know about it and how it can – sort of be bad for us this the upside of stress is going to give you sort of a different but i came from the cabot zinn mindset of stress is too much and bad and we need to manage so full catastrophe living is really cool especially for mindfulness kind of bend i love it i love it okay let's see a lot of people were asking like how do you just handle stressful situations in life? Like Robin from Iowa, what are your suggestions to handle stressful situations? And Robin, that's a really good question. And I think it depends, typical psychologist answer, it depends, but I think it depends on what the stressful event is and how you conceptualize stress, like what you think about it. And then potentially I think about what provisions do you have in place that can help you manage the stress already? Like, do you have a social support network? Do you have friends that you could talk to and stuff like that? Um, and then I also think about the skills that you might have that you might ordinarily deal with stress with. Like, oh, when I'm stressed, I tend to take some space or something like that. That might actually be something to lean into, you know, to take some space and think. Um, for other people, it might be like, oh, I need to like lean in and, and really take action on that. Um, 
But I, I don't know if there's like a one size fits all when it comes to stress management. What do you guys think? No, I was going to say it's definitely not one size fits all. Because when I think of, you know, stress management, I think of coping skills and what works for one person is not going to work for another person. Like, yes, if we think of those chronic stressors like Dr. J brought up earlier, like if you're in poverty, getting out of poverty is going to reduce the stress. That obviously is not something easy to do, but for more daily stressors or even more chronic stressors that are like work-related, you know, we've thrown out a lot of suggestions um, on this episode, but I think a lot of it is figuring out what works for you in what situation? Because I know for me, what may help me manage work stress is not the same as going to help me manage stress related to parenting. Okay, last question. Y'all ready? Let's do it. I don't, I don't want it to end, but okay. Um, Sid from Arizona. She said, I'm a chronic people pleaser and I could tell that's really affecting my stress at work because I have so much to do all the time. Do you guys have any tips on not saying yes to everyone? As a recovering people pleaser, yes, I do. <laughs> and sometimes it- it's it's you just have to start with something small. Like you're not like the reality is is I wish you could, but you're not going to go in and just suddenly one day have all the boundaries in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really picking out like when I like the way that I started working on saying no was like when when someone asked me something and my innate physical reaction was absolutely the fuck not, that was my response. And yeah, I would have other times where it was like, no, like, I don't, I just, I don't want to. I wouldn't focus on that right away. I would focus Mm -hmm. on the absolutely nots because I had more power behind that. I had more power that I felt that could push me into saying no. And then once I got comfortable with that, then I worked on the, uh, I don't really want to do that. And and I think there's, you know, always a balance in that because sometimes there are just going to be things that we don't want to do that we're going to do. True. A lot of people pleasers, and I know I've, I fell into it, especially after the trauma I went through, I was definitely a chronic people pleaser. But you, you fear being selfish. But mm. in the work I've done for myself and what I try to help people with is all of us have to be self-centered, mm-hmm. which is not selfish. It means you center yourself in of how does this impact me? Yeah. And that we have to take pause to ask ourselves. And a lot of people pleasers, we just snap. It could be because of trauma. It could be how we were raised, et cetera. But you just snap. Your default is to say yes. You don't want to be selfish. You worry too much about other people's emotions but when we are self-centered, I mean, we start with this, how we're feeling, like KBI's throwing out, then you can assess, is this too much? It, will this benefit me in some ways? Is it only going to harm me and hold me back? We, no one else will take care of you like that. Like mm. we have to be able to assess that for ourselves mm. because otherwise, especially in work environments, people will get used to of, oh, we, we can dump this on Justin. We, Justin mm. will take it. And that's not the dynamic you want in your work life is that people will default to put something on you. And the only way they learn is to have the opposite experience, which is you saying, I can't this time. Sorry, I'm, I'm inundated with these other things. Well, I just want to 
thank Sid for asking that question because that gave us a little teaser for what we'll be discussing next Yo. week on the pod. Let's go. What are we discussing? Tell me. You're going to have to wait and see. Were you not just listening to Sid's awesome question? I have, <laughs> I have ADHD. What I said has just already left my brain. I don't even know the question that I just asked. <laughs> but yes, to give a little teaser, we will be discussing people pleasing to people rejecting the whole spectrum. Mm. But wait. this week, we want to thank you all for joining for today's session. We hope you learned something about stress and how to manage your stress. And we didn't mention this at the beginning, but April is Stress Awareness Month. So we hope that you took something out of this episode that can you can apply in Stress Awareness Month and beyond. As always, we leave you with a reflection question. And this week's refresh, reflection question is, what is one way that you can help reduce your stress this week? So head over to our Instagram, leave your response in the comments. We love reading your responses. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast and share this episode with someone who you, is, who you think may benefit from it. So you're really stressed out friend, maybe. Um, and we will see you next week in group therapy. Bye. Bye, y'all. Bye. See you.